Here's what's coming up on today's show. And so again, it's got to be in the context of what is your personal situation and how do we use this benefit that you've paid for all these years in conjunction with a good, solid, comprehensive financial plan. Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for Your Retirement Elevated. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Your Retirement Elevated. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Scott Dugan, co-founder, managing partner at Elevated Retirement Group based in Kansas City and serving the metro area with the office nearby. But from wherever you are, you can find and talk to Scott by going to listen to scott.com. Check out past episodes of the show and more information there as well. Scott, good to be with you this week. What's up in your world? Another beautiful day in the Midwest. Uh, not really. It's been cloudy and rainy for a week, but uh, that means the sprinklers haven't had to run. So that's a good thing. Just just a slight stretch there, Scott. Just a slight yes. stretch. Yeah. Yes. Uh, no, that that is good. It's been nice having a, a little bit of uh, you know a moist start to spring. It's going to make everything look really pretty as we go through the rest of spring. I would imagine getting that nice jolt of of moisture. We'll be complaining about drought or something. I'm sure in a couple of months. So yes, yeah, absolutely. Take the rain when we can get it. Right. Uh, we've got a great show on the way today. We're taking things back to basics a little bit. Why not? Uh, we're going to tackle some Social Security myths on today's show. Scott, this has to be one of the top topics that I would imagine not only that you talk about with clients. I mean, we're not basing our entire retirement off of what we're getting from Social Security, but it plays a key role. There's also a lot of misinformation about it, a lot of worry about Social Security. I would imagine it's one of the reasons why people pick up the phone or go online and get in touch with you in the first place is trying to just understand and what their social security situation is going to be about. It definitely can be a, a driver for people to reach out, uh, come to educational events. And and the reason I chose to, for today's episode, what we're going to call the comprehensive dismantling of 2023's top social security myths. Uh, you know, we just finished a round of educational uh, workshops at local universities. And I tell you, the the energy in the air, uh, especially with the all the stuff that's going on with the, the economy, uh, the markets, uh, you know, we're right smack dab in the the, the old debt ceiling circus, uh, which every year they trot out and, you know, make a big deal. And the, at the end, everybody may push it through and kick the can. But it does lend people to or brings people to that thought of, hey, is Social Security, is it going to run out before you retire or is it going to run out uh, during my retirement? And so I'm hearing that a lot more. So I thought, you know, let's tee this up. Let's go to the top 10 myths that we pop up over time and, and systematically break those down and give you some resources along the way to help you make better decisions about when and how to optimize your Social Security benefits. I know you liked that overdramatic um, headline for this episode of Social Security, right? A comprehensive dismantling. Yes. Uh, so we'll do that on the show. And then we'll also, before the end of the episode, point you in the direction for some additional resources that you can check out if you really want to do a deep dive and learn more about Social Security and selections and some things you should be thinking about. But you're going to get a pretty good overview just listening to today's episode. So let's dive into the myths, Scott. Number one, the Social Security Administration will help you make the best decision about when you should start your benefit. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and it, yes, I have more to say about that. 
I'm sure the folks at Social Security are very fine people, uh, but they are not there to counsel you on your benefits. Now, you will get from time to time someone that's extremely knowledgeable and will walk you down the right path, uh, but they're not there to go through all the different ways that you could claim your benefit and how to optimize that with your current plan. Again, they can offer you uh, information about your benefits, uh, but they cannot make that decision or tell you when to start taking those benefits. That Social Security decision, when to take it, is not just how to maximize the benefit, because that's the buzzword, the buzz topics. Everybody's running you know, workshops about Social Security. Now you got to think, there's no money in people coming to a workshop and talking about Social Security. So there's another an ulterior motive when you go to those things. It's usually, hey, we're going to show you how to maximize your Social Security and give you a little glimpse behind the curtain. What that usually entails is, hey, uh, Social Security give an 8% increase uh, every year you delay. It's like, well, you're not making 8% on your investments. So let's let that roll up and go as long as possible. Uh, but in the meantime, give us money to manage and we'll, we'll distribute that money back to you. And so they can manage assets and, and make money on those assets while letting your social security grow. Now I'm not saying that's a, that is not a, a valuable or a valid concept for some people. Uh, but we look at it in context of how do you optimize a social security benefit with all the other details and parameters of your income plan uh, for some people. Uh, if there's like a big age difference between husband and wife, I say the husband is older. It may make sense uh, to have him delay his Social Security benefit as long as possible if it works financially, uh, because that would leave behind the largest survivor benefit for his spouse. And so, again, it's got to be in the context of what is your personal situation and how do we use this benefit that you've paid for all these years? in conjunction with a good, solid, comprehensive financial plan. Helpful to get that understanding that uh, the folks at the Social Security Administration office, um, although well-intentioned, the training is not there. The advice giving is not that piece of, uh, is not a component. And so remember that for sure. Uh, let's keep it moving to myth number two here, Scott. You won't get any Social Security if you were a stay-at-home mom. Good news. Even if you were a stay-at-home mom, uh, you will still be eligible for Social Security benefits based on your spouse's work record. Uh, so perfect example of that would be my mom. Uh, she worked for a bit uh, outside of the home. Uh, she worked in the banking. She's a bank teller for a few years, uh, but then took on the much more difficult job of raising my brother, sister, and I, uh, which was a lot less pay and probably a lot harder work than working at the as a bank teller. Especially with you in the equation. I know you were Absolutely. The, the problem child, right? That's why they waited five years <laughs> to have my sister. Like, are we sure we want another one of these? <laughs> we, could get, we could get another one of this guy. But uh, their strategy that we developed for my parents, and this is different uh, today uh, because the rule changes, but with her, uh, we started her benefit early. It made sense to do that. And then when my father claimed his benefit, uh, he received his benefit, and then my mom got uh, half of his benefit. So we're able to collect cash flow uh, all based on her uh, work history. And then once my father claimed, uh, we switched over to half of his, and it was the best way to optimize Social Security in their situation. 
makes a lot of sense. And there you go. Myth number two, uh, if you're a stay-at-home mom, don't just uh, assume that you're not going to get Social Security. Uh, myth number three is you won't pay taxes on your Social Security since you already paid taxes on that money when you paid into the system to begin with. It'd be nice if that one was true, wouldn't it? It would be. Now, there are situations where you will not pay tax, but it's all going to be dependent on how much other income that you have that's showing up on your tax return to your 1040. And so, again, with the changes, yes, initially, uh, there was no taxation on Social Security. And then you go into what I believe was the Reagan era. That's where up to 50% of your benefits uh, could be taxable uh, at your ordinary income rate. And then Clinton administration, that's where your 85% of your Social Security benefits could show up and be taxed at your ordinary income rates. Uh, so there's still a possibility or still a situation where 15% of your Social Security benefits will not be taxed. Uh, and that has to do with a provisional income calculation. That's a much deeper conversation than we're going to have today. But just know that the average person, or average couple, I should say, uh, if you have just two Social Security checks, and when you reach the required minimum distribution age, which is currently 73, uh, when you have to start taking money out of your IRA, um, it's roughly about 4% for easy math today. So let's say you've got a uh, half a million dollars in the IRA. If you have two Social Security checks and that required distribution, which 4% of half a million is 20,000 bucks, if you add those two together, the standard deduction currently uh, will offset that required distribution and you'll pay zero tax on your Social Security and you'll pay zero tax on that distribution from your IRA at the federal level. So there are ways to navigate that, uh, and it takes a good planning, and it takes a methodical approach to make sure that we've got the right amount of dollars in the right tax buckets. We all talk about tax buckets here all the time. But again, there are ways to do it. You just have to have a proper plan to manage that tax situation. If you have any questions about something you hear on today's episode, by the way, as we discuss all these social security myths, don't hesitate to ever reach out to Scott with those questions. You can call 913-393-4724 or go online to listentoscott.com. Just check the show notes of today's episode for additional resources and ways to get in touch as well. Uh, all right, a comprehensive dismantling of this year's Social Security Myths top 10 list for you here. Here's number four, Scott. There won't be any Social Security left by the time you retire. This is the big one that everybody kind of has a, a concern about. Yes, and so we, here's the mental gymnastics that we go through. It's like, well, if someone's close or is over 62, and if they're concerned about the solvency of Social Security, they're like, well, should I just start taking it? So I lock that benefit in. And so at least starting to get that benefit. Uh, and I would say that this happened, you know, this is, gosh, 13 years ago uh, when we had a credit uh, rating decrease in the U.S. government. Uh, that was a bigger topic back then. Oh, my gosh, should we start this benefit? Because at least if the government defaults, I'll still be getting my benefit. And I think, well, that's probably flawed knowledge uh, because obviously it didn't happen at that time. And yes, there, I would fully agree with the, the idea that, you know, hey, social security is funded through payroll taxes. And while there are concerns about its long-term sustainability, 
it is unlikely that there will be no Social Security benefits available at all. Now, I do think there needs to be reform. Uh, I, but you know what? Politicians are responsible for making those changes. And remember, what is a politician's first order of business? Get reelected. Get reelected. So kicking that can down the road. Uh, that's why they throw rocks at each other and say how, how they want to take Social Security away. and They want to change these things. I believe you're going to see them extend the age at which you can claim benefits out uh, at some point. And there's going to be more means testing and potentially more income uh, that gets the Social Security tax withdrawn from it while you're working. There's a lot of ways to raise that revenue, but I do agree there's going to be something uh, that needs to be done at some point to shore up the long-term longevity of Social Security. Great analysis of that particular myth there, Scott. All right, we're hitting the halfway point here with number five. You should claim Social Security as soon as you're eligible. Well, that kind of piggybacks off of that that previous concern, right? Yeah, another another falsehood. You can claim Social Security benefits. If you're a healthy individual, um, as soon as you're eligible, and right now that would be age 62, and then anywhere between age 62 and what's called your full retirement age, uh, which that's you'd receive your full retirement benefit. Uh, so right now, to receive your full retirement benefit, if you were born between 1943 and 1954, it's 66. If you've been born in 55, it's 66 and two months. 56, 66 and four months. 1957, 66 and six months. 1958, 66 and eight months. 1959, 66 and 10 months. And finally, if you're born in 1960 or later, your full retirement age is 67. So that is when you're going to be able to receive your full unreduced benefit, even if you are working and making wages. So that's what your FRA, full retirement age, that's the key benefit, key number that we need in our practice uh, to be able to work those numbers forward and backwards. Uh, because 62 is when you can take it the earliest. Uh, 66 to 67 is your full retirement age, depending on your year of birth. And then the latest date, uh, latest age you should consider taking is age 70. Why? Because after 70, uh, there is no roll up. There is no additional benefit for delaying. And so you definitely want to pull that trigger no later than age 70. Okay, excellent. So myth number six, we turn the page to now. You can't work and receive Social Security benefits at the same time. Oh, you definitely can. Uh, you just there's some rules to follow. Imagine that there's going to be rules that we have to follow. Never uh, to would receive have benefits. It. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. Who would who would have thought that? So uh, you can work and receive Social Security benefits at the same time. Um, there's a limit again on how much you can earn without it affecting your benefits. So for 2023, from age 62 to the year that you would turn your full retirement benefit age. Uh, you can make $21,240. So if you're under full retirement age, again, for that entire year, uh, they're going to deduct $1 from your benefit payments for every $2 you earn above the annual limit, which again is $21,240. Now in the year you reach full retirement age, they deduct $1 in benefit for every $3 you earn above a different limit. Uh, which in 2023, the limit on your earnings is $56,520. Now, Social Security only counts your earnings up to the month before you reach your full retirement age, not your earnings for the entire year. 
So again, you've got to got to be careful uh, if you're going to take benefits early and you're going to coordinate that with uh, wages. Uh, now, this applies to the person receiving the benefit and their personal income. Uh, this is not a joint situation where you have one uh, part of the couple starts their benefit, the other person's you know, still working, delaying Social Security, that doesn't have an effect on it. Now, it'll all be taxed in that calculation, uh, but the clawback of the benefits only applies to the recipient of the benefit. Okay, very good. So just be aware of those nuances and rules. If you do plan to work into that Social Security age and draw at the same time, be aware of the consequences. That's the kind of the big flashing red light on that particular situation. A uh, little one here just to throw into the mix, Scott, myth number seven. Uh, a lot of people think, you know, hey, we're a global society right now. People moving in, moving out, moving all over the place. Social Security benefits are only for U.S. citizens is a common belief. What about that one? It's true, but there are also certain non-citizens who meet eligibility requirements. And so it's not just easy as, oh, you're born in the U.S., then, then you get the benefits. Uh, there's going to be earnings history uh, that comes into play. And so, again, not enough time to dive into that, uh, but there are certain non-citizens who meet eligibility requirements. Uh, I would seek counsel on that if you're in that situation. Okay, easy enough. Uh, next one, if you have a pension, you will not be eligible for Social Security benefits. You're already getting that, that, that payout and those payments, right? Yeah, so having a pension does not necessarily make you ineligible for Social Security benefits, but it can affect the amount of of your benefits, depending on uh, if someone was paying into, uh, example, railroad, uh, certain teachers' pensions, you know, at the state level, if your earnings were diverted into that program, not the Social Security Administration program, uh, then there's going to potentially be no benefits. That also affects a surviving spouse, uh, depending on the pension option. So again, it does get a little more complicated. Uh, but just because you have a pension does not mean you're ineligible. Again, it's going to be situational depending on where that pension's coming from and how the government it has collected or if they collected any money along the way. Okay, very good. Again, that one kind of like that uh, Social Security and uh, working at the same time conversation and myth. Uh, just be aware of the nuances and rules there. Two to go, Scott. Myth number nine, Social Security benefits are based on your income and assets. Well, the situation with this, so it's not exactly, so it's not like an attorney. Uh, Social Security <laughs> benefits are not means tested, meaning that eligibility is, is based on your work history and other factors, not your income or assets. And so Right now, um, anyone born in 1929 or later needs 10 years of work or 40 credits to be eligible for retirement benefits. And so that's why it's that 40 quarter 10 year mark. Uh, you've got to at least paid in the system for that amount of time uh, to be able to eligible for those benefits. Okay, easy enough on that one as well. I love that. There's always got to be a gray area somewhere in the mix when we're talking oh, finances and retirement, right? Absolutely. Okay, got to slide it in there once. All right, last but not least, uh, your Social Security benefits are based on your last job's salary. You've probably already debased this one at some point in time during the show here, but that's yeah, still another myth that people believe. Yeah, and I kind of wove that into myth number nine. Um, it's kind of the same thing. It's it's not based on that, you know, final job salary. Uh, it's based on, again, that lifetime earning. It's those 
you're looking at those 40 credits that you need to have uh, to be able to be eligible for the benefits. And so when we look at that, uh, people say, well, should I continue to work to make my benefit even larger? And when you do the math on that, uh, an extra year or two of earnings history is not going to move the needle dramatically from a social security standpoint, like the benefit. I would say that two additional years of you earning, which in general, most of the time with your peak earning years when you get ready to retire, that two additional years of income and the ability to not dive into your assets and pay for everything out of cash flow. Uh, that's why if a situation you know presents itself, we have clients saying, hey, we've got these bucket list trips that we want to take. And should we just hurry up and retire so we can get going on this? I said, well, let's, let's think about this. How much PTO time do you have? How much vacation time do you have? Oh, eight, 10, 12 weeks. <laughs> okay. Well, can you take two or three weeks off at a shot? And some people can, some people can't. I said, well, if we're wanting to maximize our social security benefit, if we keep deferring that, but could you take one or two of those big bucket list trips per year in your last couple of years of your work history, use up the time that you've earned, get paid to do it and pay for it out of your cash flow instead of your savings. And so again, that's not necessarily just a social security benefit analysis, but it is a piece of the puzzle and everyone's going to have this different plan of action that they're going to need to follow. And what we're going to recommend because we need to take all those intricacies and unique details about a person's situation and put that into the plan. And so again, I know that was long winded to say, is it based on your last job salary? It's not, uh, but there's many other things to contemplate before you roll on down there and start the process of receiving your benefit. Very good. All right, Scott. So maybe to put a bow on today's episode, since we dispelled a lot of myths here, if people have questions about Social Security, they want to explore a little bit further with you and with your team, how does that work? Do they come in? Do you immediately dive into Social Security? Or does this actually come later in the planning process? When does this kind of get brought up with, uh, with your process of planning and, and getting people ready for retirement? During our discovery process, and then later in our evaluation process, we're two different meetings that we have with uh, prospective families. Uh, we're going to ask for those Social Security benefit statements, you know, pulling right from the Social Security website. Uh, we're going to run those calculations, but it's going to be one piece of the puzzle. And we're going to run it through our planning software to figure out what's that sweet spot uh, of when to take that Social Security in conjunction with all the other resources that you have available. And so if someone is close to retirement and close to eligibility, uh, we're definitely going to look at it. And if we, let's say someone retires at 64 and said, Hey, you know what? Don't take the benefit. Now uh, we need to take it in the future. Then that just becomes a year by year action item that we look at, run the calculations, look to see what's going on in the markets, look, see what's going on in the economy. Uh, and it, health is a big factor here. Uh, all those pieces of data that we pull in, that's what will lead us to make a recommendation on when to take that social security benefit and how to optimize it in conjunction with all the other things going on in your plan. All right. Very good. Again, if you've got questions for Scott, very easy to reach out. Just call 913 913- 
393-4724-913-393-4724 or go online to listen to scott.com that's where you can find the show notes for today's episode as well as uh, just checking uh, that section in your podcasting app click on the links there and you'll be directed to a couple of different places one we've got a great pdf that scott's provided for us that goes much further in depth on not only the, some of the myths that we've talked about on today's show but other things that you need to know about retirement benefits social security some comments and some ideas to think about when it comes to Medicare, lots of other things like that as well. So that can be a great additional resource for you to check out if you want to learn more. And we also have a link there to where you can learn more about the supplemental security income, how to apply, uh, who qualifies, what some of the additional rules are for all of those things as well. So check the show notes and we'll have links to all of those things to help you out as well. Uh, Scott, any parting thoughts for today's episode? The you know, Social Security is an important decision when to take it. And for a lot of folks, that is going to fill a pretty substantial piece of their income gap or their overall income need, I should say. And so making sure that it works with the rest of your plan, that's what's important. Again, it's maximize Social Security. Uh, you know, we talked about it earlier. It's that's real easy. You wait to take dollar seventy and live forever. That's how you get the biggest bang out of out of Social Security. But we don't know how long we're going to live. We don't know what you know curveballs in life are going to happen. And so we need to just use the proper data and put it in the context of the rest of the plan. That's how you make good, sound decisions based on facts and logic. Very helpful. Thanks for all the information today, Scott. We'll look forward to another episode with you soon. In the meantime, thanks for tuning in, everybody. And we'll see you next time on Your Retirement Elevated. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.